I mean he's an impersonator. A fake. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the following urgent announcement. You, yes you, put down that oversized bottle of Scrumpy and listen here. Do you like being entertained? Do you like television? Well, do we have the show for you. Built for people who love TV, where three rapscallions dissect two television shows, one old and one not so old, for a probable audience of one. It's time for Hardly TV History. Hello and thanks for tuning in to Hardly TV History, the show where three idiots talk about two television shows for a probable audience of one. My name is Shannon and as usual, joined here by Jake. Howdy folks. And Christian. Hey everyone. Boys, we're stepping into uncharted territory today. We are talking controversy and uh, I want to qualify very, very swiftly and broadly. We are three privileged white males who are going to talk about things that we are probably unqualified to talk about. Uh, And so we just put a massive disclaimer on this. We intend no harm to any of our listeners at all. Um, We're very uninformed uh, and uh, we are definitely trying to learn as much as we can about these topics. But we are going to talk about two shows that have have been cancelled, really. Um, They share quite a lot in common. But they're largely almost impossible to track down and get. We had to watch one on Daily Motion, which is a YouTube knockoff, and uh, and one was sourced nefariously through from the dark corners of the web. And I had to meet up with uh, with one of our co-hosts wearing a trench coat to swap the the, uh, the flash drive outside <laughs> an address that won't be named. So that's how we had to get these two two shows because they've literally been wiped from every corner of uh, of streaming anyway. You, you just can't find these shows, guys. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, I just went on Google Play and bought the first episode of Summer High Tie. Yeah, Summer High Tie I was able to find, but Little Britain was very hard, tough to find. Yeah, Little Britain was a hard one to find for me. I found Summer High Tie pretty easily, but uh, Little Britain was the challenge. I ah, see. I just went into my spare room, opened up a crate of DVDs that I hadn't looked at in 10 years, and there it was. I just assume you've got, like, the archive area from Indiana Jones. It's just, you just have to go and find the right crate to open. You know too much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just pulling out lines from the shows already. Yeah. This is subtle. This is the this is the kind of stuff you tune into this show for. Yeah, that's it, man. That's now, it. Spoiler if, alert. If you haven't picked up the uh, the cues, because we've already named the two shows, we're talking Little Britain and Summer High Tie. Who's going first? Who's who's starting with the old show? Well, the old show technically is uh, Summer High Tie. Oh, sorry, is Little Britain. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no real way to ex- to explain this show. It's basically uh, a vignette or sketch show. And they just go through different characters and different little skits. Some characters return and some characters don't, uh, for the better, probably. Yeah, it's a sketch show, um, but it's different from some sketch shows in that the, char- the the scenes always featuring characters who tend to be recurring. So the characters do get more and more, uh, I suppose, common and understood as you go along through the series. Um, it's not like they're random people each episode, like uh, Australian listeners uh, of a certain era might re- remember shows like Full Frontal or Fast Forward or things like that that always featured different characters or random characters every episode. And UK had the sketch show, which was very similar to that. But 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 this is a kind of – this is sketch comedy with recurring characters, which Fast Forward and Full Frontal absolutely had those characters with 
other characters thrown in that only appeared once or twice. And it's been a long time. <laughs> it's oh man, if you if you don't remember Effie, there's something wrong. Um, but <laughs> but these this this show, I'll put it on. I'm going to put it out now. This show. I was the target audience for this show and I ate this up with a spoon. Like this was my jam and re-watching this show, why was this my jam? Yeah. <laughs> no. So I didn't even stop to think about this show being anything other than hilarious. Um, this show is basically the way I assume that they've written this, Matt Lucas and, and David Williams. First of all, David Williams, just call yourself Williams and be done with it. None of this Williams nonsense. I don't like that Agreed. at all. Just stop it, right? First of all. <laughs> Second bad. of all, they sat down and went, what stereotypes do we know about people generally? And let's make a show based on every stereotype we can think of. That's that's what the first episode looked like to me. Basically, yeah, you've, you've got pretty much all, all walks of life in the UK and they even go down to the Prime Minister. Yeah, now... Well, they don't attack him directly, they attack a member of well, his staff. He's, he's, he's there and, they, and they're making fun or a light of his situation. Now, now, let's get this out of the way first. It's, it's well known that Matt Lucas uh, identifies as, as gay and David Williams is straight. So let's just throw that on the table first because that comes into play as, as it weaves through. That the stereotypes, the gay stereotype is really clear throughout. Let's let's start there, shall we? Let's start with where we're we're most comfortable, I guess. I don't right. know. I'm I'm not uh, comfortable about any of this, but I'm not feeling particularly <laughs> comfortable having this conversation, but I, I think we're doing it for Again, in, for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Three straight white men. So there's a couple of gay characters in this. First of all, as you said, the Prime Minister's offsider or or aide. Um, whose name is Sebastian. Sebastian name is Sebastian. Now, Sebastian is hitting on the Prime Minister. Is that is that the joke? That's the joke here, right? Yeah, the joke is that he's hitting on the Prime Minister. He's he's portrayed to be very obviously gay, and as he's also portrayed to be a very jealous, emotional, yeah. creepily possessive person where he's always putting himself into a position to appear to be getting sexual with the Prime Minister. In the first episode, you see that immediately with him dropping to his knees in front of the Prime Minister, staring at his crotch. And, and refusing uh, to get up, which is really creepy. Like refusing yeah. to get up. Uh, played by Anthony Head, the Prime Minister too, from Buffy fame. Yeah, I was like, whoa. That's what's right. He doing yeah. here? Mm. <laughs> now, we, because this is a sketch show, um, let's let's give each sort of sketch as we go through a rating. Uh, two ratings I want to hear from you guys. First of all, um, how funny is it out of five? Or 10, let's say 10. Let's keep it a nice round number. And also, let's say how offensive it is on a scale of one to 10, right? Yeah, okay. look, that's a really difficult metric because the things that we laughed at when we were younger, we're now looking at now, at looking at saying, oh, yeah, even though we were laughing back then, it actually probably isn't something that we should maybe, be laughing maybe at. Maybe right a simpler way is, did you laugh now? Yeah. In that sketch. The, the yes. Other- the other thing I will say is that I'm I'm firmly of the view that that comedy, good comedy, is often offensive, and can can be offensive, you know, and still be funny. And and I I'm, I subscribe. I really like a lot of Ricky Gervais stuff. Some stuff makes me cringe, and some stuff oh, makes me laugh a lot. I can't stand his stuff. What's wrong but, with you, really? But no, he's a, he's a fine exponent, particularly his stand up stuff. His but, early stand up. Uh, he's a, yeah. So, but but having said that. I th- still think we can rate this show with the metrics of is funny and is it offensive? And I think a lot of those scores won't match up because I think that 
for, for this one, I, A, didn't find this funny, or B, and B, found this really kind of offensive and stereotypical and, and didn't make me laugh. Stereotypes don't do a lot for me, humour-wise, unless they're done well. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem with the show, is that, is that the stereotypes are such a large part of it. Um, but you do get scenes, at, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, where the stereotypes don't really come into it or the jokes are actually funny. Um, there's one in particular that I, I, I can think of right away, and there's a, it's in a sketch right before Vicky Pollard, who is a, a teenage girl who's obviously from a uh, an impoverished background and, and speaks in a particularly difficult to understand. And, and how, would you, how would you describe the way Vicky Pollard speaks, Shannon? Uh... Jake? I don't. I, I don't even know how to describe it's, it. It's it's rapid fire, and it's it's you know Australians would probably it's it's certainly the lower class sort of yeah. um, aping of of a particular subset yeah. within the English yep. culture. Yeah, yeah, but very heavy on the slang, very indecipherable unless you're you're paying very close attention or very familiar with that that sort of behaviour, but very much playing into that um, impoverished background stereotype. But right before that that sketch, there's actually a scene where there's a schoolyard fight and the narrator's talking about the education system and you see the students standing around egging on the fight and then it breaks up. You see it's actually two of the teachers. Mm. I actually laughed at that at that scene because that is genuinely funny. Yeah, um, which doesn't play on stereotypes at all. It's just it's yeah. just a and it's it's almost a shame that it's almost the transition joke. Or it is a transition joke. It's not actually any of the characters. Yeah, that's right. These characters are are so one note too. Like they Mm. are just they. If they're if they're fat, the reason that they're there on the show is to be fat and make jokes about them, or to be gay Mm. and to laugh at the fact that they're gay, or or whatever it is. They they don't grow. They don't do anything. They're just. And I know it's a sketch comedy show, but they are repeated characters. And and most annoyingly out of this show is they're there to spew catchphrases, and each one of them has a catchphrase that they are obligated to say once or a hundred times, and that's that's the joke. The joke is that they say the same stuff, and that might be an originally a funny line that gets drilled into the ground, or it, or it's born from the fact that they're a stereotype. That's it. Yeah. Now let's talk about that Sebastian sketch because that opens with the scene of outside 10 Downing Street and there's a police guard, a policeman on the on the front porch. And then you hear a Mr. Whippy Van in the background and the policeman really wants to go get the ice cream and you see him sort of trying to step off the porch and go get the ice cream, but then he has to come back because he's working. And I, like, I'll admit that I laughed at that. That was quite good. That was another one of those really good funny bits. You've got the, the sketch with Sebastian and basically the long and short of it is there's an a person from the Treasury there meeting with the Prime Minister. Sebastian thinks that this person is trying to crack onto the Prime Minister or get in the way, and basically Sebastian sees him as a rival and gets very emotional and possessive with the Prime Minister. You get to the end of the sketch with Sebastian's, you know, really uncomfortable behaviour, dropping to his knees in front of the Prime Minister's crotch and whatnot. Sebastian gets ushered out of the room, and then immediately the guy from the Treasury makes a pass at the Prime Minister making Sebastian right after all. I Look found that, that that final twist quite funny. But before that, there's this whole heap of uncomfortable, uh, basically homophobic jokes mm. that, that are very difficult to I, to. I didn't reconcile. find it surprising. I think the, the, the lack of surprise in the punchline didn't make me laugh. I'm not sure if I'm just expecting more from the from the show, but I, there, there was no... There was no surprise for me, which didn't make me laugh. And I think the ones that surprised me were the ones that made me laugh out of everything. The, 
the sad like the thing is that you know this show is only focused on the pilot of the first episode and we will we will say we were looking at the first episode not the pilot the pilot was almost impossible to find mm. um but this this show is the first episode of of little britain that was aired and what we know is that these these characters get repeated there's no growth there's not it's the same joke over and over and over again it's literally a one note character the whole way yeah. through yeah and so you know, moving on to to the next, what's the what's the next one, Jake? What, give us the next sketch. Uh, Emily Howard in the pub. Now I can't remember what this one was, to be honest. So Emily Howard is um the is a oh, cross dressing man. That's right. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yep. Um, and he wanders into a bar and explains all the things that he does as or she does a as a lady, high class lady, yeah. mm. class lady. Uh, yeah. and then instantly get hit on by the rough and of the group and rough of the bar and everyone knows it's a, a male except this guy who constantly hits on her and is very blunt about hitting on her mm. uh, and it's quickly revealed that they are the the when they go to the loo together or hit the head i think he says but playing into the stereotype she's using a urinal which mm. you know just it's lazy like I, I didn't I didn't like this one at all. And again, yeah. this is a, someone else who who yells a, 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 a catchphrase that can appear on a tea towel in the ABC store. Like that's all this is, all right? <laughs> all, all she she yells is, "Well, I'm a lady," and that's the whole joke because she's not a lady. You see, see why that is funny? Did you get it? <laughs> so, <laughs> next sketch. What's the next one? Uh, Lou and Andy at the opera. This one I actually laughed at. I thought this was was a little bit amusing. So uh, is it one of them's in a wheelchair. I'm not sure. I wasn't paying attention to who's who. But one of them's in a wheelchair and one of them is his best mate trying to take him to a, see a show, show in the city for his birthday, I want to say. So he's trying to book a thing and he wants to, he just keeps going, I want to see go to the opera. Mm. And the, uh, the friend is pointing out, now there's better ones out there for you. You know, there's, it was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You really like that show, so we should go to that one. He goes, no, nah, I want to see the opera. And then they get to the opera and they, she opens her mouth and he goes, no, nah, I hate it. Straight yeah, away, that's right. So, which I thought was that was that was a little bit amusing. Like she opens her mouth, sings one note, and he's like, "Nah, I hate it." Which I thought yeah. was good. And and they they come back in the in the the episode too. So there's the, the trip to the to the swimming pool. Um, that's right. And it's it's then revealed that I think it's Lou that's in the in the uh, wheelchair. I thought it was Andy in the wheelchair. I, I could be wrong. Doesn't matter. Interchangeable. Mm. Um, yeah. But but he he can actually walk, um, <laughs> unbeknown to his friend, and he then dives off a swim off the pool. Um, yeah, in the back. That's right. It's yep, very Mr. Bean, that that's that sketch. Very Mr. Bean, like I felt a very Mr. Bean vibes. Yeah, thing. it's got the the physical comedies. The physical comedy is kind of key there, and but of course the punchline or or the the crux of the joke is that Andy's faking his disability. Mm. He's not actually disabled, and he's just doing it to take advantage of his friend. Yeah, um, which is a little bit problematic, but it is very well performed. Absolutely, uh, I, I found myself. Of course, waiting to see what Andy does when he rocks up at the pool, and the actual construction of the scene and the acting was was quite good, with with Lou speaking to the guard and the, the whole camera setup all happening, with him still in the frame as yeah. Andy runs up and dives off a diving board, and and the genuine care that his friend shows for his well being, like he's planning a trip to out for his birthday, he then is very very cautious about how they're going to get him into the pool and the kind of help that he's going to need. He's like a genuine, he's like the best character in this whole thing because he's, he's <laughs> really kind wholesome. and genuine and wholesome and his friends <laughs> an ass who's, who's faking a disability. So 
Um, but what he says, like he's, he's scared of the water. Like the main thing is that he's, he's not a good swimmer and he's scared of the water. Getting him in and out's fine, but that kind of transition period, we've got to keep an eye on him. Mm. And then you see him just dive off the off the yeah. diving board. And perfect use of the word kerfuffle, which doesn't yeah. get used enough in, That's right. in TV. So uh, Lou's kind of very touching and very wholesome, and um, I, I really I really enjoyed that that dynamic, even though he's being horribly exploited by Andy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's what's one of the other sketches, Jay? Uh, are we just going in order? Or I'm, I'm just naming just throw them out. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Um, so Kelsey Grammar School. Oh, I loved that one. That was great. Good, good so, joke. Good, good title. Yeah. Yeah. So that one was all about um, a, a class reading out the, <laughs> a book from yeah. a book as a teacher issues instructions to the st- to the students which student to start reading which passage. Then he calls out a series of names and has them, you know, speak for a couple of lines and calls in another one. Then he starts getting them to put on accents. And when they transition to using Scotch accents, I. I really did laugh. I thought that was that was quite brilliant. Uh, and, of course, the punchline and the upshot of the whole thing is that you realise when the teacher goes to read, he can't actually read. Mm. Yeah, this is one of the ones that was surprising because it was surprising because they, you didn't expect that to happen. And I think that's yeah. where, that's where the, the humour comes from. And I like that you know, the, one of the kids says two lines and stops and he goes, wait, what, why aren't you going further? And then he says one more line, and then he jumps again. I think I think that was a really constructed, really well constructed uh, sketch. That yeah, great timing. And, and, yeah. And what that actually did is that kind of um, for me brought up memories of uh, Monty Python and the meaning of life. And you actually have a, a very similar scene where the kids are in a in a in a classroom and the teacher is presented, and, and that bit is done by that bit is performed by John Cleese. Uh, and it's that's it's the really sex quite, education one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I had mirror images of that. And so all through this show, and especially with those non-stereotypical exploitative scenes, it's kind of Python-esque, you know, in a way. You're really seeing that 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 influence of Monty Python. Another really good one that I, I enjoyed um, comes around about the same time. It's when there's a performance by a pianist who's, you know, playing away in, in the theatre hall, and then he stops and goes, oh, hang on, have I got my bag? And he, you know, looks underneath. He's forgotten to see, forgotten if he brought his bag along with him. And he, he quickly checks and says, "Oh no, that's all right," and then keeps on playing. That was that was really quite good. So you get these flashes of really good comedy in there. So oh, you can see that that the writers have actually got a lot of talent and a lot of skill. It's just a bit of a shame that they've chosen to use these stereotypes as their vehicles. And I, it's probably a sign of where we were as a, as a culture in, in two thousand and three that we that this was acceptable and, and this was, you know, uproariously funny and probably regarded as just being really edgy. Um, but we weren't really looking at, at I suppose, at the humour at, at a deeper level. But it's amazing to think that we're, the ones we've actually pointed out to be the funniest ones have had nothing to do with stereotypes at all. Mm. Correct. And, and you, you'll point out as a thing that as we go on, the, they get worse and worse. I think they get worse and worse um, as we go through the episode more. The the one that blew my mind was the minstrels because a I I actually didn't understand why it was supposed to be funny <laughs> yeah. and b I, I, I was, I was like why are you doing why would you go there like I just I don't understand it I didn't understand the joke can anyone explain the joke to me I, I, no, I, I didn't know. understand the joke I was, either I, my I actually because I was laying down when I was watching it and I actually sat up when I saw them come on screen and was like hey, am I actually watching this happen right in front of my eyes because this this isn't real now i know i know australia's got has been problematic with minstrels appearing way too late uh daryl summers if you're out there um but (laughs) i I know that that minstrel comedy is is not 
is not amusing and is horribly offensive. So uh, minstrel, minstrel shows, if anyone doesn't know, uh, were, were were white people doing offensively blackface and and being foolish, overly foolish, um, to as a as some sort of comedy act to make fun of of African American people in, in the US. So it, it's generally um, you know bow tie, top hat gloves it's it's it and it's overly like al jolson is is that kind of classic uh minstrel show that they talk about in this sketch there were two minstrels listening to the radio and there was some news broadcast about there being too many minstrels or minstrels taking over and then they tune the radio to what is clearly a minstrel song and sing along and and are happy that the song's on that's the that's the sketch and i don't really understand why it's funny and yeah i I can't help but wonder if it's kind of the, the writers basically using the minstrels in the same way as they're using Vicky Pollard or Sebastian or Davith, the only gay in the village. They're, they're basically replicating, they're using the exact same humour with the minstrels and probably expecting people to recoil and go, oh, my God, that's appalling and disgusting, which then allows you to question, well, why are the rest of these stereotypes okay? Why is it, why is it unacceptable to make fun of minstrels? but then you can go ahead and make fun of um, poor, impoverished teenagers or gay people. I, so I, I just you're thinking it was almost intentional. Like they, they did it deliberately. Not Like I, I was sitting there going, what are you thinking in 2003? You know, you, you know this is wrong. Why would you do this? But you're saying it's almost a statement saying that it should be allowed. But it doesn't no. say anything. It doesn't say, like, this is the thing about stereotypes. Like, they, they can be funny. You can have stereotypical characters that are funny, but they've actually got to be funny. And that joke misses the mark entirely. It doesn't say anything about society's use of minstrels or anything like that. It doesn't make any sense. And, and this is, like, stereotypes have a place in comedy if they're done, if they're done well or they're actually, you know, holding up a mirror to us and society and... Um, like the fat fighters one so you've got what is a weight watchers a fairly a fairly rotund woman herself hosting fat fighters making fun of fat people in that sketch she's you're laughing at her and how horrible she is you're not it's not aimed at the fat people or the the, the overweight. No, you're laughing at her, yeah. At her and how horrible she is, and mm-hmm. she's racist as well. So there's a race. She's a racist. She's just a terrible person sort of all round. But the joke Jack. the joke is kind of on her. It's- yeah, that's right. But just to go back to what I was saying about the minstrels, I wonder if, and I've got absolutely no reason to think this, I wonder if the minstrels were an attempt to actually illustrate the equivalence of using the you know these gay stereotypes or these poor people stereotypes by basically making comedy about them in the exact same way as they as they as a minstrel performance or the minstrel the sketch there at the end, and maybe that would be asking the audience to question themselves: well, Why is it? Why are we laughing at gay people and poor people, but we're recoiling at the idea of minstrels? Like, to me, like that would actually be a really clever way of, I suppose, forcing the audience to question themselves and ask: Well, why is it okay? Why am I sitting here laughing at this stereotype, but then recoiling from this other one when they're all equally unacceptable? The only thing about that is that the other stereotypes are meant to be you can you can see why they'd be funny in a way. Where this one I just didn't understand what the joke was. And maybe that's just my Yeah, but we might not be bigoted in that, that way. Yeah, like I'm I wasn't I'm not aware of the old fashioned or what came before that, but it just it went over my head completely. I, I love it, Christian, but they continue to make a shitload of cash off 
playing on stereotypes and putting their faces on on uh, on tea towels. So I think if they were actually having an argument to say why are we why why should we be laughing at gay people and black people and like we shouldn't be doing any of that. Well, they kept doing it for three seasons and made a shitload of cash off it. So, well, they absolutely did. And as I said, I've got no reason or evidence to believe that that actually was the argument. But that sort of struck me as a potential, not not justification, but a potential explanation for producing the show and making the jokes that they did. I mean, there's no question that they're very talented writers. I mean, we've already talked about a number of the jokes that were really quite good and the construction of the, of the sketches and the, and the act, actual acting and performances we thought were, were, were good. But it's the choice of content that they've made. And as you say, Shannon, they go on and make a number of other series and there's a whole heap of spin-offs, including um, I think there's one called Come Flow With Me where they're in, a, um, they're in an airline. There's Little Britain, USA, where they presumably go to the United States and um, do the exact same thing. Yeah, so, just be lucky we didn't cover that one because there's a a fat suited African American woman, I think, in that one that doesn't doesn't fly too well now. Yeah, right. It's um, you know, and the last one that we probably want to want to cover in this sketch is is David Thomas, who's the only gay in the village, and uh, you know, played by by the gay the gay actor in in uh, in um, oh, what's his name, Matt. Um, Matt- Lucas. Matt Lucas, thank you. Played by Matt Lucas. I don't know. It's not funny to me. Like it doesn't didn't make me me laugh. The funniest much. part of the whole the whole episode or that skit for me was the bartender herself. I thought she was the funniest part of the actual skit. The way she kind of had my fun way. Great name, my fun way. Um, well, Welsh name. She was the only the only amusing part of that whole. Well, yeah, but but her humor is riffing off the fact that um, David isn't doesn't actually appear to be gay he seems, he seems to be putting it on or pretending to be gay presumably for notoriety he's just so and, and, and being annoyed that someone else he he, he, t- he relishes the fact that he's the only gay in that area and so when mm. someone else who identifies as gay turns up he gets annoyed uh and mm. starts you know throwing out kind of barbs uh and so that's that's the the humor is it more that he's Jealousy. He wants to be known as the only gay in the village, and that's that's where the humour is derived. Or is it the fact that he's gay? Nobody else seems to give two shits in that whole. Like in its credit, no one seems to care that he's gay. No. He's the worst gay person because he's trying to give examples of things that only gay people would know. But it's just very which common. is a stereotype again. Like yeah. yeah, that's right. And also with the way he's dressed and the way the oh. the other gay gay man is dressed, they're really ostentatious. One's wearing like a choker with. To get spikes, spikes and stuff coming out of it. They're they're wearing like some kind of I didn't know what it is, like leather type suit. material. It's it seems like latex or something. Like it's pulled, yeah. pulled into it. Yeah, yeah, so, well, yeah. Really, really over the top. And so they're very ostentatiously meant to be projecting these are, these are gay characters, very much playing into this, this you know, stereotype of flamboyance. Um, but yeah, the, the funniest bit is Mafanui and the joke that David isn't actually gay. He doesn't actually know anything about gay culture he doesn't really actually seem to be attracted to men he seems to recall from the idea of getting to know another gay person he actually mm. seems to be borderline homophobic so that's kind of the that's kind of the joke yeah it's yeah I, it, you get three seasons from that kind of thing. yeah it, did, it doesn't that, do a lot for me my, my name turned up a few times in each episode so my, my favorite sketch was always uh the the hotel uh, guy who is just, just very odd. 
Yes. Um, yeah, that's yeah, my, that favorite, my favorite scene as well. I, I really like that and always did like that guy. He was always my favorite because he's just, he's, it's to me, it's very Python esque. He's yes, very absurd. Completely Python esque. I, I just got a complete Python esque from that, from the whole restaurant mm. scene. It's weather kind of thing. I yeah. really like that sketch. I, I laughed at that sketch. But man, the whole thing feels dated, right? Like it, it feels very 2003. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, um, you can certainly see it might have been regarded as maybe edgy humour in 2003, but it certainly doesn't fly now. And that explains why you can't find it on any of the streaming services. It alone makes it unbroadcastable un- un- now. Jake, yeah. you, you didn't watch this at all, really, when you were, you were growing up. Like, Christian and I were fans of this show and, and both owned it on DVD, it will be said. Mm. You hadn't really seen it at all. What, as, a, as a novice coming in, what do you think? Oh, I, I literally hated... 90% of my time. Yeah. It, it, this this humor isn't my kind of humor at the best of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure how to describe my sense of humor, but this wasn't hitting the bar. I, I, I said before, the, the funniest things were the non-stereotype things and the ones that surprised you, like the, the pianist with the bag, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the Kelsey Grammar School, uh, the soup was, was quite funny. Uh, I, I like the world record attempt at the very oh, end. Oh, the baked beans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all they've somehow managed to bring. And maybe get two cans, yeah. But stuff like that, <laughs> it, it, that, makes me, that makes me laugh because it, it, it's, it's timeless. There's, there's, no, there's no dateness on those, those jokes. Yeah. So they're always going to be relatively Excellent point. Incredibly mm. good point there. Like the the stuff that lasts forever. That's why po- po- the Monty Python stuff can can keep on, and you can watch it and still laugh because it is a timeless type of humor. Whereas mm. the stuff that is stereotypical or is really is aiming for for those those catchphrases is it ages horribly. And and you now watch it. I now watch it and go, oh, I can't believe I thought that was funny. And, yeah. and I think I think that that. That you've nailed it, Jake. Is that that's that not that timeless stuff that we that we like? Yeah, that's it. And I think the whole conversation about um, taking these this show off streaming services and people not wanting to broadcast it, I think that's a really interesting conversation to have. And we've talked a little bit about cancel culture and things on the on the show before, so I won't, won't rehash it. Um, but I can certainly see why if you were a, a, a streaming company or a broadcaster, you wouldn't want this anywhere near your brand. Um, you you especially if you're pursuing you're wanting to, to cater to the, the widest possible audience. You want to be as inclusive and diverse as you can. This would be completely antithetical to your your, your overlying, underlying sort of brand appeal. I do, I do want to pose a couple of questions on that topic after we finish Summer Heights High. So we might plow through mm. Summer Heights High and then I want to come back to that point. Christian, give us a, give our audience a bit of a, a wrap. Now, our international audience may not have seen this show, so no. uh, we might have to try and do it a bit of justice here in terms of its... Uh, in, it's intro. Yeah, that's right. So Summer Heights High for our um, non-Australian viewers, listeners, is a mockumentary-style series which explores the lives of students and teachers at Summer Heights High, which is a high school in um, in, in Australia. It's done kind of in the style of The Office, featuring a mix of interviews with the staff and the students and candid footage. Um, I don't, I can't remember exactly if there was a narration can you guys remember if there was a, a narration in there? There's uh, no narrator. No, no, no. Narrator. I, didn't, I didn't see one. It's so, yeah. All, it's, all the art characters talking over themselves, talking over their own footage. Yeah, mm. it's the characters. So it's, it's very much done in the style of The Office. But basically, it's, it just follows the, the lives of these students and teachers over a 
period of time um, and we get to see their ad- adventures and journeys. And there's a number of different things that are happening in, in the school. We first meet a, a young man um, named Jonah, which is being performed by the creator of the show, Chris Lilly, who is as white as any of us three, who is actually performing effectively in blackface. His skin has been artificially darkened and he's portraying Jonah, who is a, a student from Tonga. And the first scene is just uh, this shot of Jonah behaving very antisocially, bullying kids around him, making gay jokes, and just being basically a high school uh, a high school bully, which if you've been in high school in Australia would be very familiar to you, uh, very negative, very bad behaviour. We quickly move on to Mr Greg Gregson or Mr G, who is a drama teacher who's portrayed to be a stereotypical homosexual person. He's condescending, self-centred, arrogant, uh, and really sort of plays into a very flamboyant um, performance style of, of, of stereotype. So it, straight off the bat... There's two very difficult characters right there. Lastly, we get a character named Jamay, who is a rich upper-class girl who seems to be on some kind of exchange program with the school who, who comes in. She appears to be very bitchy, very typical, typical private school girl, sort of amped up to 11, with just a bit of racism thrown in there and a whole heap of classist condescension about having to hang out with poor people and talk about how well-off her and her family are and how wealthy the, the school is. Have I kind of given yeah, a, a good per- summary of the characters? Perfect. And, and they're all played by Chris Lilly. So, so all of these are played by a white dude. And, yep. and this is written and created by Chris Lilly. So we can assume that these characters are Chris Lilly's best guess at what these characters, how these characters would behave. Is basically mm. what you get. Now, this is this is Chris Lilly's second show. In his first show, We Can Be Heroes, he portrayed uh, Jamay was was in that first series, but he also played an Asian guy in right. that in that in that series. Um, and he's it's almost worse. Like he's doing the Asian voice. Can um, it be worse, really? And and, and well, it's this is worse. I I put this on the table now. I love this show and I just genuinely really loved this show and watching it now, I can see why I liked it. Mm-hmm. it it's so problematic now, I think, oh, to so, like it. So many issues. It's mm. it's so problematic and I think I almost don't even want to get into into the to the conversation of it because I think it's got – there's some questions I want to pose to you guys that I've been thinking about. Effectively, it it shows their their, their life through the school. Mr. G's, you know, a performer. He wants to take over the, the drama production. Jamae is just settling into the school and Jonah is just being Jonah, effectively, is the episode mm-hmm. that you watch. The question I have for you is this in this show. If, if these, the lines all stayed the same and it was essentially the same show, but Chris Lilly got someone, a young Tongan kid, to say those lines... He got, maybe he stays as Jamae, maybe he doesn't. I don't know whether that's more problematic than the, the Jonah stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's say he recasts all these characters with yeah, people. He, he can with, be Mr. G. Mr. G is fine. Well, let's, no, let's say he, he gets a, a, a gay actor to play mm-hmm. Mr. G. Yeah. He yep. gets a female to play Jamae and he gets a, a, an actor from Tonga, a young Tongan actor to play Jonah. Is this sure. show as funny? I didn't find it funny at all to begin with. So yeah. um, I, I don't I don't think the writing is is smart 
it's not it's not clever writing by any means. So I just think you put this in the words in the in the mouths of actual actors, it becomes a boring show that isn't funny. Yeah, that's right. So if Jonah actually was a a, a Tongan student and Jemay actually was a, a privileged white uh, young young white woman, it wouldn't actually really change. It'd just then be really lazily written, stereotypical based comedy. It does get you around the problematic issue of someone effectively playing blackface. Well, it, that, that it removes I, that one issue, but the rest of the I, issues sort of stand. I think, I think the humour here is because he's playing all the characters and they, everyone knows that it's a middle-aged white man playing all these different characters that he shouldn't be playing. That's where the humour comes from. What's well, um, where part of the humour comes from. It's where well, part well, of the edginess I, and the notoriety yeah, comes from. Yeah, Perceived humour, maybe. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's probably a bit of a talent look how talented this guy is kind of pat on the back kind oh, of deal. Maybe, maybe patting himself on the back. I mean, I, I didn't think he did a bad job performing it. Like I think that he, that he, he did very three distinctive characters that you, you wouldn't. Yeah. You wouldn't he, he amped up the stereotypes of what we think in our mind. If we thought of what's a stereotypical Tongan teenager. Yeah. Who's, who's got behavioral issues, severe behavioral issues. Um, I have no doubt that there are people, there are kids that talk white, uh, whatever race they are, talk in that that manner and say homophobic and racist things um, mm-hmm. to to be you know to cool around their friends. Is that something we should be you know putting in a primetime comedy and laughing at? But that wouldn't be. It, it still wouldn't be funny. That's kind of the main thing. Like if the if the joke is that this is a white guy doing these three very different characters and that's the bit that's funny because it's it's that weird contrast or juxtaposition that's not particularly funny and i don't know if it was funny back in 2007 when this was released well can i ask you what what did you see that you the reason why you like so i i can't see anything good about this show um, i'm curious to see what you found back then that was amusing i th- i think i think everyone's been to school with people like that or very similar to that and I suppose when you're when you're at high school, I mean, this show would have been out two thousand seven. Yeah, so I'd, I'd not far off finished in, finished high school. So um, it probably went to school with with people very similar to that who t- who had had a lot of those conversations. Um, I, I think, and and they're absolute extreme versions of those of those characters, and and I think they're all deluded. Well, particularly Jamae and Mister G are deluded in their own sense of grandeur i think is probably the uh the level of comedy that comes out of them jonah you know jonah's a very problematic character in a lot of ways and and not having been bullied at school myself you know always always found him problematic but he was yeah. probably the breakout character in that show both him and jonah got uh, him and jamae got their own spin-offs series that's where he true played, he played jonah and jamae yeah, look, I think the interesting thing with Jemay is she acts, uh, you're laughing a little bit at Jemay, the character, especially her mannerisms and behaviour, and as you say, she's kind of amped up to 11. But the things that people really laugh at with Jemay is the comments and the way she treats other people. So she's mm. addressing this school as, you know, I didn't expect this school to be so povo. You guys are a lot poorer than me, but that's okay. Mm. And it's basically that. That, that sort of arrogance that people are finding that amusing is that kind of what well well I, th- I think I think the joke is that we we acknowledge that she's a bad 
character. She's a bad person. Mm. And so the, the joke comes from how she, she's, she's, it's a bit, a bit of the Rick and Morty argument, isn't it? Like what she's saying is designed to be amusing while acknowledging that she's a bad, she, we're not supposed to like her. Hmm. You're not. You're not actually supposed to go. I identify with her. You're supposed to say what a horrible person she is. Yeah. Because everyone around her, and and in particular in the first episode, she doesn't get called out for that behaviour at all. Like no one no. actually says anything to her at all. Um. As you know, as, and I know we're we're not supposed to talk about it further, but she does get called out for some of that behaviour. But largely, it goes. Um. It goes yeah. unnoticed, unchallenged. Whereas Jonah is very clearly challenged by, first of all, that actor playing that that guidance counselor does a phenomenal job. Like, I think he is, you could assume that he was actually a school, worked in a school the way he talks and acts. Um, mm-hmm. He's trying to do something about Jonah's behaviour, not he's particularly made, effectively. I think it's not getting expelled, so he doesn't want him to be expelled from this Yeah, school. Yeah, he's tr- actually genuinely trying to help that character there is a glimpse and i will say a little bit further on about why jonah is how he is but it's not well, particularly well well handled no and I, I did want to talk about that bit because you do get that scene at the end where there's you get a, a flash of vulnerability from jonah where he talks about he acts out in a certain way because a lot of performance and 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 he does it to to act out and get a bit of attention and then you actually get a, a quick introduction to jonah's dad who is a very rough sort of character and doesn't seem to be very loving towards Jonah and gets him, throws him into the car and um, doesn't really give him anything. And you kind of get this hint at why Jonah behaves the way he does. So Jonah's family presumably is dysfunctional and uncaring. Mm. Um, well, he lost but, his mother, didn't he? Lost his, they said he lost his mother? Yeah, that's right. It's just yeah, his dad that's raising him, yeah. That's right. But even With many kids in the car, by the way. But even then, so that's a that's actually a, like a a really interesting storyline, and you could do some really interesting stuff with that. But Jonah is still presented as a figure of fun, and just like with Rick and Morty, the bit people don't remember about Jonah is, hey, there's this kid who's struggling and he's got some, got some issues and and whatnot. They just see this kid acting like an asshole. Yeah, and and watching it now, my my sympathy is wholly and solely with that teacher, like. What oh, do you yeah. do with a te- with a kid that's like that? There's literally nothing you can do with a kid who acts in that in that way, and all she's trying to do is teach her damn class. And I feel for her so yeah, much. Yeah. You must just be like, if you had a student like that, you must. Like I obviously now looking back as as teenagers, we thought it was hilarious when we disrupted the class and got kicked out of class, and it was all laughing games. But you know, they must dread that class with Jonah because you don't want to teach him because you don't know what you're going to get that day. And it's just mm-hmm. one of those, it's his own designated table, but he still finds ways to mess up the class. It would have been really interesting if we could have got a teacher into the podcast episode to actually have this conversation about Jonah. Yeah. And maybe mm-hmm. if we do another episode on Jonah from Tonga, Jonah the, from the, Tonga yeah. the, the follow-up series, that'd be fascinating to get a teacher on as a, as a guest interviewer to, to talk about that. Now, now in- interestingly, Mr. G, I think Christian, you're, you you assumed that he was a, he's a, he's a homosexual carry. He doesn't, doesn't say ne- that at all. He never and says it, that. No. It doesn't come up. But I think I think everyone makes the assumption that he's um, that he's homosexual. It doesn't really factor into his his character at all. Um, he's an incredibly selfish character um, mm-hmm. who's really only interested in himself. And I think that that shows with the he, he likes to just make his class sit and watch him perform for forty five minutes. Yeah, but I, I think I, he was the biggest problem for me for the whole the whole oh, show. Yeah. 
the way the 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 blase way he talks about some things in the school, especially yeah. um, the rape scene. And- now, now I wanted to touch on that, Jake, because that that when that when this show aired on the ABC, I remember the headlines with that comment, and I remember watching it back then and going, "Well, it was one line. Like, what's everyone's problem?" Mm. The thing, the problem with that line is it's not funny. Like it's it's so out of place. It's, it's yeah. not a joke, and it's no. not. Funny. And there's no there's no payoff for that that comment. I don't I don't know in the writers' room why they thought that'd be. Did they laugh about that and go, oh, "That's a that's a funny line." It's not funny, and well, it has no payoff. No, I think the idea is to just try and push the envelope and be as notorious as you can. That yeah. that that joke, and then the follow up joke about the students. Uh, basically, for people who are listening. Um, is that Mr. G is walking past and he's walking past the garden. He says, oh, we used to have uh, um, some bushes there, but we had to remove them after um, a female student was raped there. And then he goes on to talk about um, uh, some. the rest of the students all got together and they painted an anti-rape mural up along the wall. And that whole thing just had me jaw open on the ground going, what the hell is 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 this about? How how did this get its way into a, into a comedy? But... The only thing I can sort of think of is it's it's Lily wanting to push the envelope and try and generate some notoriety for for his show. Now, now I don't know whether this is true, but I can I can pretty much ninety point nine percent guarantee this is what happened. So there were there were those outside shots were pickup shots shot on location. So mm-hmm. they were shot at a school, and I reckon he would have been riffing, and he literally saw that painting and went, and and probably a cut cut down bushed area and went, I'll just make that joke. As, a, as an offside, like I'm just riffing on what I'm seeing mm-hmm. and I, I guarantee they put that in. I don't know why they included it, but I guarantee that was a that was an ad lib because there's no way that was written. That, Boy, that's, that's my guess. No. You, can't, you can't think as a, as a comedy writer with, with a common sense would think that was a, a good joke to put in. And whoever edited this episode, which I'm sure is Lily himself, Looked at it and thought, "Yeah, I'm going to keep that." The show is just—it's just bad taste. It doesn't—it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense about why it's there. To me, that screams. He saw that mural and and made made the joke back because the mural the mural doesn't make sense in context either. It's it's just an abstract no. faces. Like, just, was like, no, no, that, that was gold. I want to put. It's either, it's either so arrogant that he thinks that the, the joke was gold and needs to stay in there, or mm-hmm. it was just so. Above it's himself, it's not a stuff. joke. Like it's, well, I'm not sure what he was doing. Yeah, but I think in his mind the idea is being offensive is funny. Yeah, it yeah. goes. It boils down to if I can just be as offensive as I can, that is funny, and that justifies the joke. And I wonder if that sort of plays into Little Britain a fair bit as well, because that's really all it is. Let's just be as offensive and unkind and cruel as we can, just to try and piss people off. And the joke is that. It is painful and very difficult, and if people are offended by that, and they, that is notorious, that's that's even funnier. So it's like it, it's like kind of pre-troll. It's trolling, but with with TV and comedy before internet trolling really hit the popular imagination. But I also want to say the the stuff with the disability students as well. Oh God, it, it, it was awful. It was just mm. really bad taste. And it didn't need to be in there. You're already you're already pushing the envelope with with the characters you've got, and then to add a special part of the school where these characters can come in and be to be laughed at rather than that. There's no there's no uh, justification for them being there. It's just it's just purely to be for you to laugh at them, mm. and uh, that, that's just, it's awful humour. Look, 
I I, I, th- I think the joke clearly is, and I, I speak for Chris Lee here, but the joke clearly is that we're supposed to be appalled at the way these these characters behave to other people. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of the point. That these are not good people. I don't think Chris Lilly's saying these are good characters that I we're supposed to Mr. enjoy. G's, I think Mr. G is meant to be the one. No, no he, there's no way you could watch that first episode and think Mr. G is a good person. He makes no. clearly disparaging comments about disabled kids and about, yeah, but you know, I, think, he, I think he's meant to be the good one. I think in the mm. purpose of, well, I think, I think he's meant to be the good one. He, oh. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone could say any of these characters are, are good people. The, the problem is that I think a lot of the audience missed the point. And I, I think, I mean, it took literally a day before people, we started seeing dictation tags as graffiti. In, in the wild after these shows aired. As soon as Jonah started, we, we saw that Jonah was doing the dictation tags. They started appearing. People were like, Jonah's my hero. Can I just make the point that you're now making the argument that I made about Rick and Morty? I No, I, I, I agree. I The problem, I think, that Rick and Morty is funny. That's that's the point. And I think, and I think at least Rick and Morty has high concept in it. Just for you listening at home, Christian's shaking his head. You can't but, do that. And I, and I really don't want to hash this that, that episode. But what I'm saying is I think I think that they're trying to say, Chris Lilly's trying to say that these are bad people. I guess the question is why why do we want the show at all then? Like what's what's the value in in watching bad people be nasty to other people that, that don't really have an outlet? No one calls out the behaviour through the whole episode, which is kind of which is kind yeah, of bad. The guidance counselor is trying to to He's trying to help. Yeah. Ways. Now, if this if this was an intrinsic look at the public school system and how it's letting kids down, and a, and a deep dive into that, you can kind of get behind it. But you're supposed to laugh at Jonah and Jonah's mm-hmm. antics, yep. not not feel sorry for him. You're supposed to laugh at Mister G making fun of disabled people, but not holding to account. You're supposed to be laughing at these people and not horrified. Like yeah, if this right. wasn't yeah. a comedy, you could go: these people are horrible people. Like yeah. that's where Breaking Bad you can look at and go, he's a drug dealer, and he's you know he's doing these horrible things, and you're supposed to be appalled watching watching him do this. Whereas this is a comedy, you're supposed to be laughing at their antics. Yeah, that's right. And it, the whole thing comes down to for me, the the underlying sort of theme is cruelty is funny. Let's be yeah. unkind and be cruel, and that's going to be funny, and we're going to laugh at it. And oh, just, sorry, Christian, go on. Sorry. No, nah, that that that's really all there is. It's just it's just cruelty for some kind of attempt at humor i just feel i just feel like south park was an inspiration for this show I, I feel very south park-esque vibes coming from this looks like he he got some inspiration from them just to the, the cruelty and the characters like especially cartman I, I, I feel like that was the time where people were kind of getting ideas off south park because it was so popular maybe and, maybe and I, 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 that was my general feeling from it i felt like he was very there was some South Park esque. I think yeah. I think South Park's shield was always that it skewers everyone equally, and and that it it is a really a, a a timely satire. I don't know that this is achieving the satire it thinks it is. No, yeah. that's right. There there is no satire here. It's just it's just the cruelty without the actual satire. And so I think that's the problem. And I think it it rests on Chris Lilly's talents at being able to kind of be a chameleon and, and blend himself into the character. Hmm. without stopping to think whether he should do that. Yeah, and I think the same problem sort of sticks with comes with Little Britain too because in that like in both shows we have um we have older white 
men basically dressing as young women in order to make fun of them via stereotypes. Mm. You know? Yeah, but to, to dress up as gay, to to be homosexual, to yeah. to be different in any capacity yeah. is is a is a sense of derision and, and laughter. And that's kind of where that, that falls out of without saying anything. Particularly Little Britain says nothing. Like Little mm. Britain has nothing to say about society at all. I think Summer Heights are tries to in some capacity, but kind uh, of doesn't do a very good job. I, I don't think Summer High Tide was even trying. I think it was purely just a shock attempt to be shock value, be as notorious and, and as it could as it could be to get the viewers and if he yeah. if he get his name in the headlines, he was doing his job, I reckon, in his mind. I guess yep. the question I want to pose here is that are these should these shows be available to a wide audience to watch? And and is it is it not a question of we sh- we should be able to choose the media that we want to watch? Be, they, these are a product of the times, and we've changed. Is it something should we come with a disclaimer at the start that says, you know, we don't necessarily agree with this? Is it still worth watching a discussion? Is it even worth us making this episode? Perhaps I look. I I'm fully on board with with platforms choosing to to not have stuff on their on their services um i don't think it's a freedom of speech issue i don't really see any issues with artistic, artistic expression or, or, or anything like that chris chris can go take a can go take his iphone and record whatever crap he wants and post it up on his website and he can do whatever the hell he thinks is appropriate and if people want to watch that they can they can go and do that but you certainly i, I can't criticize any any person or, or any organization who doesn't want to be associated with any of these shows and wants to take them down so and if you want to host them and you want to put some disclaimers on there that's fine that's that's your right too but i i don't see any problem with just letting people make their own decisions and that includes netflix and stan and hulu and whoever else wants to either show these shows or not yeah i i, I agree with that with, with what christian said about you know them choosing i, I just feel like Maybe a censored version of Little Britain should be maybe readily made available that isn't making fun of anyone because there is some funny stuff there. I think it's three I think, minutes of an episode. Yeah. I, I still think that almost that, that's that's worthy of, of of being put out there somehow. I think being cut out completely is a bit is a bit ridiculous. We couldn't find it at all. Right. Um, I only find it on DVD seems a bit extreme. Like I don't I don't see why they couldn't throw a, a whole season of just just the the non-problematic um, that's not a little Britain, is it well, this, I get that point here herein lies the issue that i've i've got and and we we as a society need to acknowledge that we we used to do these things pretty pretty not long ago and these were top rated shows back in their back in their day and and had a uh, a fierce uh, fan base that that loved these shows now i think about classic cinema that still gets shown, something like Breakfast at Tiffany's has a horrendous, horrendous racial stereotype within that show. Uh, that movie played by by Mickey Rooney, who plays an Asian neighbor, neighbor is horrendous. That that movie doesn't shouldn't be banned. It, mm-hmm. it we we need to acknowledge that we did that. That it's not great, and I think banning these shows, taking them off, de- deplatforming them. It almost kind of tries to erase that we did them in the first place. Oh yeah, look, I don't I think I, it's just so recent. It's so recent in the in the grand scheme of things. I would make the argument it's not banning it. It's it's not grabbing every copy that ever existed of it and throwing it in a bonfire. 
you can still go and you can still go and see it. There'll be copies available in um, the libraries in, especially in Britain for Little Britain. It'll be available in the the national nothing, library. Nothing's ever banned anymore. Like nothing's ever. You, you'll never scrub it off off the off the record books. It's always going to be there. Correct. So your question then is around distribution, and that's where I say, well, it's up to people to decide what they what they want to have on their services and what they don't, and it's up to people to decide to decide no, what they want to consume. Platform I agree. Like Google Play, it's not even on Google Play, and I, I'm not sure if that if that is that is that Google saying we don't want to be associated with that because they've got or, pretty much everything else on there. Or is the publisher things. saying I don't want to publish this? Yeah, possible. possible. What's, the, what's the BB? The BBC was it? Is it? Oh, yeah. Channel Channel Four. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, but there's so many polar shows that are still available on Google Play, and it's just it seems it seems interesting that this is one of the ones like Summer Heights High is still available on Google Play, but yeah. yet. Little Britain isn't. I just I don't I don't see why I, I don't see Little Britain being more offensive than Summer Heights High. It, it but I don't, that that depends on if Google's the one doing the doing the the selection there. It could easily be the publisher who says I don't want this associated with my brand anymore. So we're going to shove this in the vault and we'll leave it there. If you want to go watch Little Britain, you can go to the probably to the National Library and pull out a copy that's that's there in the archives and and watch away to your heart's content. Yeah, and we've uh, we've even seen we've seen Disney self cancel and ban. Uh, movies that they that they now don't want to acknowledge exist, mm-hmm. despite having a whole theme park uh, a whole theme park ride themed uh, to that movie that no one's able to see. But, um, well, can we talk, what movie are you talking about? I don't... It's uh, it's Sons of the South is uh, and oh, Splash okay. Mountain is based on based yeah. on that. Um, it, it's 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 incredibly racist that that movie and it's been effectively wiped from Disney's history. Um, they they you know won't even really acknowledge its existence. I think it's important to acknowledge that those things, these things are here, and it's good that we're talking about them in the modern context. And, and I have, a, I have a real issue with someone saying we we ought not, they ought not to be available at all, because, like I said, with Breakfast at Tiffany's, if you that's classic cinema made in a completely different era, and now looking back on it, um, we should be ashamed of ourselves that we put that in there as a, as a society. But it's important not to 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 put it in the context, and maybe maybe the context to me the context is still too close with with Summer Heights. So we should have known better. Yes, we you should know, have. ten years ago or fifteen years ago, two thousand and seven. Yeah, yeah. So we we should have known better with that. We probably should have known better with Little Britain. That's why we all recalled straight away at that minstrel stuff because how do they not know better back then that that they shouldn't have done that? But I think it's important to talk about it and to acknowledge that they existed and to acknowledge why they're wrong. And maybe they come. Maybe we have something that, which is what's happened with with various WB cartoons, Warner Brothers, where they've actually put a disclaimer saying, "This is terrible," and we presented it in its current format, so we don't pretend it does didn't happen, and we did we did this. So, but that once again, that's the choice of the publisher or the the, the people who own the content. If you can go to if you can go to a museum or a library or something like that, and you can still watch Little Britain or Summer Heights High, even if the publisher has decided they no longer want to, want to offer that product, does that satisfy you, Shannon? I, I I think the internet will will keep it running forever. I just I just feel like I, I I'd hope that people that are watching it now are not getting the humour out of it that they once did, and that anyone that's showing kids for the first time this kind of stuff is explaining to them why it's no longer acceptable and the, and the test is that we stop making this stuff like that's the test now right i don't think this could be made now you couldn't you couldn't get away with 90 percent of the stuff on either show i don't think it's been happening now i mean i, I don't i don't see a, a movie or a tv show in, in this light probably ever again 
it just and just in case we haven't been controversial enough, I want to throw one more question out before we finish up. We we see male actors playing female characters. We see mm. male actors playing homosexuals when they're not when they don't identify as homosexual and they play outside their race and sex. Mm-hmm. What is what is your view on 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 that? And should we should we actors be able to to play up uh, uh, other uh, genders? Should they should or should we be trying to cast people of color in 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 people in coloured roles? Um, should we be playing females in female roles or gender fluid people in gender fluid roles? What's your view on that? Uh, well, I'll I'll jump in. Don't I, jump in at once, guys. I know it's it's it, tough. It, it's a tough one. I I, I guess. I guess where most of the controversy comes down recently has been more about race, um, about you know Asian actors playing Asian roles, especially in things like um, that were typically, especially in comic books like um, in Doctor Strange, Taylor Swinton. Taylor Swinton. Tilda playing, Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Uh, and typically known as whitewashing. Yeah, and yeah, whitewashing is, is probably the, is the biggest problem. Uh, it, it, it's probably controversial. So I, I, acting is acting to me. I, I'm not. I'm not too worried about who's playing the role as long as it's well done and, and tasteful in the way it's done. I, I'd prefer. I'd probably prefer to see females playing females and males playing males. But at the end of the day, I, I look at a movie on, based on its merits and how it's acted. I don't. I don't really worry too much about it when it comes down to that. I, I'm more concerned about you know the authentic, authenticity of it. The authenticity. Authenticity. That's the word. What, what do you think, Christian? Uh, I'm I'm quite happy to have um, a diverse cast. I think that if you've got a role that is a, a, an Asian character, you should try and find an Asian actor to play it. If you've got a, a, a role that is a homosexual or gender fluid character, you're probably going to get a better result if you get an actor who comes from from you know, that community. Um, I, I I kind of understand the argument um, against whitewashing in roles, but I also understand the I suppose the economic imperative in that it's probably better to get um, a big name into a role so you can you know, get the box office uh, attraction. I'm thinking of the the Great Wall movie. I think they had Great Wall with Matt Damon. Yeah. Matt Damon, yeah. And I, I remember looking at that going, why would you get Matt Damon to be playing a, a medieval Chinese um, soldier or warlord or whatever, whatever he was playing? I didn't, I didn't see the movie. so um, and, and that kind of seemed a bit odd to me. So I, I, I think you'd probably get a better result as a, as a director, surely. Uh, money is the reason that, that Matt Correct. Damon was there because yeah. otherwise it wouldn't have got made um, and a lot of money came out of China for that, but they needed a bankable star to sell it to the rest of the world. You also um, see a lot of people um, work, from roles after controversy and things. Like um, a lot of people, you know, I think there was a, even in like, I think the Shang-Chi movie that's coming out from Marvel, uh, an actor was cast and then he stood down because of the controversy. And I think, I think that's a good thing by the actor to acknowledge that to acknowledge what the fans want, but also at the same time, you don't want to be pressured by a small group. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, it happened with the Aladdin remake too. They they cast, they looked at casting an American uh, crew in there, and, and ended up having to go and find people that were actually you know Middle Eastern in appearance because it's kind of set there, guys. You know, it's largely on us as an audience to choose choose ones that you know that, that don't make that an issue. That just because it doesn't have a big name in it, 
um, we should be attracted to the story rather than who's uh, starring it. Okay, so a quick Wikipedia search shows me that Matt Damon, Pedro Pascal, and Willem Dafoe were all in the movie, but they were playing European adventurers and mercenaries. So yeah. that that makes sense. So it wasn't well, a case that, of whitewashing like in that the, instance. The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise, wasn't that? I think that was based on... Yeah. Scarlett Johansson's copped it a fair bit. She was in... Was Ghost, it? Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell, one of those, which was, which is effectively an Asian, an Asian character. I, I, th- I just think, I think that we should be, we, the issue is that we should have better roles and more diverse roles for a raft of people, and we should be talking about a raft of diverse issues. Sire recently got in problem with her, her movie uh, that had um, uh, a, a, an autistic character played by a character who wasn't autistic. Yeah, Max Stigler, yeah. And, and now I've got issues with that because, of course, I love Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, portrayal mm-hmm. in Gilbert Grape. So it's problematic all round, and I just don't think anyone can solve it in any meaningful way. And maybe this is an extra bit we chuck at the end of the episode, but I, I just thought it was an interesting – it's an interesting conversation to have in the in the context of are we okay with people dressing up as other genders and other characters. Is that is that problematic? Let's go back to The Wire. And a lot of the actors and the extras they had in that TV show were actually people who had come from that life, mm. um, who were involved in, in the drug trade or lived on the streets or were drug addicts. Uh, and what added, did we say about that show? It added, yeah. a, it had an air of authenticity about the it, way it was It was presented. a masterpiece, yeah. 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 Well, I just want to point out, I, mean, I know it's a comedy, I know it's really crazy, and, um, but Tropic Thunder, I don't want to talk about the character itself. I want to talk about what he says in the fact that, you know, history points out that if you play off type and you play, you play gay when you're straight or you play um, uh, mentally challenged that you, you, you tend to win Oscars mm-hmm. and he lists off a few people who have done that. And it, it kind of showed back in the day that the way to, to get an Oscar is to do something very different from your normal character. Um, and I think we've probably moved away from that in the last 10, 15 years, thank you. And the Oscars are incredibly problematic because they don't recognise people of colour and, and females. Mm. And that's and we've got a whole bunch of old white guys who, who make up most of uh, the voting audience of the Oscars, and that's the problem. And I've just realised, uh, of course, throwing into this mix here is Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump. Yeah. Well, and Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, and they're, and they're, they're great movies with great performances, and you, you mm. just wonder... You wonder who could have taken on that role. I mean, I don't know who would have done it back then, but would you have lost these great movies to if we didn't didn't take that leap kind of thing? Is it the yeah, performance or is it the movie? Yeah, yeah. Could, can Tom Hanks now only play straight white dudes forever? Like, is this or is it is it an action an acting challenge to be able to do that? Should we only allow people who've been bitten by radioactive spiders to play <laughs> Spider Men? Yeah, you know these are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. Yeah. Frankly, it's a really fascinating topic that's probably way off. Off. Well, to, to, I, 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 while we're on Spider Man, I want to like really, really quickly. Oh, that, sorry, I want to say really quick, but th- that was a big controversy because they everyone was screaming for a, a, an African American Spider Man as it was in the comic books, and they just the the Marvel d- didn't didn't go that way, and there was a massive uproar about it. But we still got great movies come out of it, so I just you can't please everyone, I guess. Oh, ooh, okay. I promise we, we can move on right after this. But just quickly, yes or no answers. Idris Elba as James Bond, yes or no? Yes. Absolutely. 100%. I'm 100% yes. on board with that. I, I'm, I'm absolutely with it. Give it to me, please. I will now attempt the heavy lifting of putting this train back on its rails and say if you have a view about either of these shows, about cancel culture or about 
whitewashing, typecasting, casting in Hollywood, we would love to hear from you. Maskpodcasters at gmail.com. You can also talk to us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Christian, you better say the words that mean those things because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> how, how do people find us? You're on Hardly TV History on Facebook, Hardly TV History on Instagram, at Hardly TV History on Twitter. Thank you so much. And, of course, this episode brought to us by Latex Fat Suits. You can't perform in a sketch comedy troupe at all without Latex Fat Suits, uh, our new sponsor for Just For Today. Fantastic. So thanks for joining yeah. us. Yes. All right, you ready to call the outro? Yep. Talent's here. Let's go. All right, you want to warm up or anything first? No, I'm no. good. <clears throat> okay, hit me. Now, remember, no cliches, funny, light. It's a podcast. Go. In a world. Always do this. It's the first one. But that's, that's it's what, the most obvious but one. But that's what good trends. No. No. Just no. On the edge of space. Shad. Bedroom. House. Podcast. Us. Go. Jurassic Park meets Twilight. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. We're a podcast. But We're not a movie. Dun, dun, dun. We podcast. Us talking about movies. Is it just, just No, no. Just go. Is it because the, no. the T-Rex no. has little arms and couldn't stab him in the chest with a stake? Go. A rooster and a cat are friends? I know you're a cock, but this... It's helpful. Come on. Movies, podcast. It's us talking about them. Go. Two idiots have a podcast. They talk about movies and nonsense. If you'd like to join in that conversation, you can hit them up on masspodcasters at gmail.com or talk to them on Facebook. That's so hard? Yeah, my voice hurts a little. I've got a tickle and I actually think Jurassic Park and Twilight as a crossover would work. <sighs> Shut up.